Thank you again, church. We know we've already been with Jesus this morning, haven't we? Amen. You know, I get emotional in places like this when we feel the Lord moving. Because like Carla said and like that song said, really all that's going to matter, it's not going to matter what kind of job we had or how many degrees we had or where we worked or where we lived or what kind of house we lived in. All that's going to matter when they roll that casket up here like I was in Butler at a, at a funeral not too long ago of a prominent business owner and meal manager and they rolled that casket up here covered with a flag so he'd served this country. But all that mattered, and I don't know that he did much, but all that mattered is what he did for the Lord when they rolled that casket up here. You can decorate it any way you want to and have a column two pages long in the newspaper. But if it doesn't say what he did for the Lord in there, that's the end of his reward. And I know this is a giving church, and I hear it being a, a, in the association and being at the associational meetings. This is a giving church and a living church and a thriving church. But none of us give sacrificially like we should. And I'm talking about me. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you again for the privilege of being in a house where we're free to worship you. In a country where we have, have these privileges where we don't have to worry about the doors being broken down and being carted off to jail because we're worshiping the true and living God. But Lord, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who don't have those privileges. And we can see right here in our laws, in our land, in our government, where we could very easily lose these privileges just in one generation. Lord, this may be the last generation that has these privileges to give to you and to worship you and to be open about it, Lord. And let us be busy sharing your gospel and sharing your word, sharing the good news with those who don't know it yet, Lord, who's never seen a copy of God's word, who don't have the freedom to come here and worship you, Lord without fear and anxiety of where their children may be or if their children may be hauled off to jail or what may happen to their children if they're put in prison for worshiping you and leading them. But Lord, we pray again for this, these people. Pray that when we leave this place, Lord, after some fellowship today, when we leave this place, we'll be just as sincere about sharing the gospel as we were about worshiping you in this place. Thank you again for the privilege of being able to come before you people. Just humble me and you be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, I don't see my notes. <laughs> I have the one I need, though, right here. Let's turn, if you would, to the chapter of, uh, to, uh, the book of John. The first chapter of the book of John in the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the, was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came from a witness to bear witness to the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into this world. He was the word. He, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his, no, his own, and his own received him not. But as many received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege of your word. Pray that you would bless it. Pray that we would be, be uh, servants of you and you would be glorified. We ask these things in your name. Amen. That's the reason I stand here this morning representing the Gideons. It's because without the word, excuse me, the word of God, being able to shine in the lights of men all around the world. And a lot of you were introduced in school in the fourth grade to the Word for the first time. Maybe none of you, but there are people in this county and in this county and in this town and in this region who saw their first Bible. They never owned one before they owned the New Testament, a Gideon New Testament that was given to them in the fourth grade or the fifth grade in school. I represent over 300,000 professional men and women as a Gideon in 201 countries around the world. We are spreading the light that we just sang about by the Word of God. Gideons are Christian businessmen and professionals. We're mostly missionaries, an extended arm of this church and every church just about that gives. We have 60-something churches in this county that, that give to the Gideon organization. And because of that, we're able to put Bibles in schools and libraries and, and, and hospitals and nursing homes and all around the country and world. Matter of fact, and it took the Gideons 93 years to place the first billion Bibles. You know, what they used to, that number was hard to comprehend, but today it's not that hard to comprehend. We see it on the news every night. Our children learn about it in school. But a billion Bibles, it took the Gideons 93 years from 1908 to 2015 to place the first billion Bibles. It took only 14 years for the second billion to be placed. We're giving out more than 10 million Bibles every few days. Matter of fact, it's, it's a, a, a million copies of God's Word going out in, in, every five days now. In 2015, we distributed our, our second billionth Bible. Last year, the Gideons gave off, out 21 million scriptures in North America, 21 million or so in, in uh, Central America, and about 19 million scriptures in, in South America. So in the Americas, as we know them, we gave out off almost 60 million Bibles last year. A lot of people that go on mission trips are, 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 are privy to that and have seen that happen. But, but in the People's Republic of China, where, we, where people can't practice their religion, where they can't be Christians without going to jail, the Gideons distributed 175,000 scriptures last year. Of over the 10 million scriptures that were distributed in, in North America last year, 5 million of those were in, in the form of what we call the life book. I'll tell you a little more about this later, but this is given out to our teenagers in school, not by Gideons. The only way they can be given out is ordered by youth our church youth leaders and representatives to give out at their school. The church in one-third of the countries, or better than that, I can back up and say one-third of the countries that the Gideons are present and have an organization where we're active and, and working, 
the, gross, the average gross domestic product is only $8,000. But in about 20 out of the 200 or so that we're at, represented in, about 10%, the average income is less than $2,500 per, per individual. These are the kids and teenagers where you see on the news and you can read in our book literature here. The families raise children, they go out to the dumps and to the places that, that then they go, to. that's where they get their living from is out of dumps. And they, they get what, what food they can eat and what stuff they can recycle, they're getting it out of the big city landfills. The average income per, per person is less than $2,500 a year in, in 20 of the countries we're in, 20 of those countries. If these people don't get a word of, the word of God and if we don't purchase it for them, they won't never see it. They're trying to scratch and survive. As Gideons, we really have only one purpose, and that's to see people to come into the winning, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not to see how many Bibles we can distribute. And we do that a lot of times through personal testimony, but really we're, we're, we depend on the church here in Choctaw County and, and, and worldwide. About 40% of our income comes from churches. 43% come from church donations. But 40% of our comes from Gideons. We're not asking you to do something we're not, we haven't done, we haven't been willing to do. Last year in Choctaw County, we had a pastor appreciation banquet and raised over, our goal was $3,500. Right here in Gilbert Town, our goal was $3,500 to get in, bring all the pastors from the county and, and we feed them and their wives and, and give them an appreciative dinner for, for allowing us to come to their church. And we take up a love offering from the Gideons. We have already paid for the, for the pastor's uh, food before we got there, we paid for that. We took up a love offering. Goal was $3,500. Most of these men are retired. I'm the youngest by far of, of, of most of them, <clears throat> and I'm catching up to them, but most of them are in their 70s and 80s. Matter of fact, we only have four speakers in Choctaw County Gideons out of 60-something churches. So it's hard for us to be in our home church, you know, because of spreading the gospel through the Gideon message. Four speakers. So we need men to volunteer to become speakers, to become Gideons. We need men in our organization that are able to help and do. Out of those four speakers, we cover those 62 churches. But it's just hard for, for the Gideons to, to, to do that in Choctaw County. We, we talked about doing a rally day to get people to come in and help us out. But we distribute Bibles in hotels and motels and, 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 and schools. And just a few weeks ago, we had a, a, a scripture blitz at the nursing home and the hospital in Butler and gave out, gave out scriptures there. Many, many people's lives around the world have been changed for, because of a Gideon Bible. Just to mention a few that you may know, Robbie Zachariah. And there's lots of people around the world who you wouldn't know otherwise who are doing a great cause for Christ. And their lives were originally introduced to God by Gideon Bible. Leah is an example of one of these people. Let me tell you stories. I've got three testimonies. Y'all be patient with me. Lunch will be ready when we finish. <laughs> Leah was 21 years old. She was a young Christian girl working as a certified nursing assistant in a North Dallas hospital. One night after work, Leah decided to go grocery shopping before she headed home. So she went to the grocery store and got what she needed. As she left and was in the parking lot, she was attacked from behind by a young man. He drug her to a nearby hotel that was attached to that same parking lot. And as, as, as he drug her that across the parking lot, she got to thinking, you know, I can't fear. I've got to think rationally. I've got to know what, i got to figure out what I'm going to do. And as, as, as he drug her to the hotel and, and she looked up the stairs, there were four more men staring down at her. 
He drug her up the stairs, and as they approached the room, Leah said, I know what, if, if, if there's a Gideon Bible in that hotel room, I'll be able to get to it. I've got a plan. I know what I'm going to do. She said she knew fear was from the devil, so she tried not to be afraid. As she approached the hotel room, there were more men inside. As they pulled her in the hotel room, she got the break she thought that she was going to get, and miraculously she was able to get to that Gideon Bible in the bedside table. During the scuffle, the dresser fell on her, and, and, and she was up under the bedside table, but she opened the Bible directly to the middle. And I wouldn't think of this, or I wouldn't have thought of this, but, but as she began reading, the men started arguing, and as she hovered under the table, she began reading in the middle. In Psalms 59, she says out loud, Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Protect me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from the bloodthirsty men. That was the scripture she turned to. Her voice trembled, but as she read, she gained more confidence as she heard the men arguing, one yelling, take that away from her. But they didn't. And the fear in their voices gave boldness to hers. She began reading even louder, she said, to the point where she was shouting the word through that hotel room. Suddenly she heard no more arguing, and the curtains were open, and the light from the lights outside in the parking lot streamed in across the room. And in the stillness of the room, she got to her feet, eased toward the door, and looking out, the parking lot was empty. No one was on the stairs. She called the local police, still clutching that Gideon Bible in her hand. Upon investigation, the police discovered that the plan was cynical. There was 12 different men had been in that room. Fingerprints showed. Further evidence in the bathroom had a shovel, a piece of tarpaulin, and duct tape. Their plan was cynical. But God. God's plan provided Leah a shield through his word. Leah says, had that, not, had that Bible not been in that room, I definitely would have died that day, or that night. She said, instead, God performed a miracle in my life and gave me a, an escape from the snares of the devil. With only a few cuts and bruises from the falling dresser, she was saved. She gives God the credit and thanks to Gideon for placing Bibles in hotel rooms. She said, this would not have not happened had that someone not given. Church without us spreading the word, the light, without you spread, helping us spread the word, things like that wouldn't be possible. I'm going to tell this next story in, in the first person. This was me. This could have been you, but it was me. This testimony is about a man, from, and he, he titled it From Prison to Pastor. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Both of my parents were alcoholics and drug abusers. I didn't have a chance really from the beginning. But when I was younger, I remember my mom took me to church some. But that soon ended, and so did their marriage. After they divorced, I stayed with my mom, who, who constantly changed jobs and boyfriends. I remember at an early age being called worthless. And I was un constantly being abused but I began smoking and drinking by the age of 11. And I continued substance abuse all through high school and grade school. I was kicked out of high school my sophomore year and left home at age 16. 
And I spent nights anywhere I could because I'd promised I'd never come back to my mother's house. I ended up living in some pretty bad places among some of the worst kind of people who were a lot like me. By my 21st birthday, although I was born in Maryland, I had drifted all the way across the country to Denver, Colorado. My life was reaching a pinnacle of addiction, of depression and violence. I despised myself and anyone who was more affluent than I was. I would often get into fights just to have some feelings and some emotions. One night I emptied a full clip into a car of some people I thought had stole from me. At that party that night when I did that, I was arrested and booked and prosecuted and arrested on two counts of attempted murder, and and I was guilty. I was guilty of the sin. There I was, 21 years old, and facing up to 72 years in prison. I had no friends, no family, and no hope. It was a but God moment. However, there in my jail cell, I found a Gideon Bible. We put these in hotel rooms. They last about seven years, then we'll recycle them. We go through the hotels and take them out and put new ones in. We take a lot of the recycled ones that are not too bad and torn, and we'll put them in prisons and jails. There I was, 21 years old, and and facing 72 years in prison. I found that Gideon Bible in that hotel room and opened it up to Matthew 5, 4 where it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I read that and thought, I've never been comforted before. I've never had a peace or any true love in my life. So I prayed for the first time in my life and asked God to, before my sentencing, before I died, to let me taste these things for the first time in my life. In that moment, I felt the Father's arms wrap around me. And the warmth of God filled my heart. And I began to weep for my very soul. I was forever changed in that one instant. And I vowed to follow God and his word. And to give my life to him no matter what the circumstances or my sentencing would be. While I was incarcerated awaiting my sentences for the next few months, for nine months, I went to addiction classes. And I continued my education and and earned my GED. I started taking Bible classes. And I awaited my sentencing without an attorney. But I had Jesus in my corner. By the grace of God, I was only sentenced to only four years of probation. And released from that very next day. I was a free man. After my release, I completed a year-long intensive drug addiction or progress in resolving my drug addictions. I continued to feed my soul with the knowledge of Jesus Christ every time I could. Today, after my experience in prison, I'm a licensed pastor in in Colorado, and I work for Teen Challenge. Not only that... I'm newly married and just found out I'm going to be a dad. Just a few months ago, my life was, had been transformed 
from pain and suffering to a life of joy and service to the King. I daily thank God for the unrelenting love to call out my name in that prison cell and to speak the truth through the word by that one Gideon Bible. One more testimony. A lot of you'll be able to relate to this, young people especially, and especially being in small-town America. Nothing like being raised in small-town America. Sometimes we have to, to uh, grow up and get out of the small town and go to the, see some, some of the rest of the world to really appreciate how we were raised and how we were brought up. The hallways of James Buckhanna High School are filled with students representing small-town America just like our neighborhoods. But it's in Mercysburg, Pennsylvania. Like our own high school students, some strive for academic excellence while others perform on the field and on the basketball court. Then there are those who are like Violet Clark, who are enthusiastic, a dreamer, those who exude joy and have a heart for God and tell everyone that they come into contact with about that. On March the 6th, 2016, just a little over three years ago, a Gideon was, <clears throat> was at Violet's church, and he mentioned the life book during his testimony and, 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 and did a brief presentation as I did today. Then, there was, then uh, her, her youth pastor was in that congregation, and he heard about it. So Chip ordered 600 copies of the life book for his youth group in a small church about like this. And it, this, this life book features the book of John from the New Testament. But inside of it, there's little notes drawn and little, cart and little pictures and, and, and notes from teenagers from around the country. And then they've reproduced it. Those 600 soon arrived. And he presented the opportunity, Chip presented the opportunity to his youth group at their next meeting. The students were excited and began making plans to how they were going to share the, their the life book with their peers at James Buckhanna High School. Violet Clark was one of those youth in that group. She was one of the most popular students in, in school. That following week, Violet asked for 100 copies, a whole box of the life book to be given out. She wanted to give them out. So the, over the next few weeks, she skipped through the halls, literally giving out the life book and telling people about Jesus and sharing a life book with them. Violet shared nearly the whole case in six weeks. And as she shared the last three books just before April the 21st, her 18th birthday. Then on Friday, April the 22nd, as Violet was leaving school, she was involved in a serious automobile accident. People began, began to pray for Violet that next week at school. And they were, they were holding meetings in the band hall and in the library and in the, and in the locker room and, and holding hands and praying for, for, for Violet. But to no avail on April the 25th, just three days later, God called Violet home. You know, it's not by accident that these individuals had been primed with the word of God. Luke Spurgeon, who works at the school drama club, shared at the high school that shortly after the accident, he wrote, there are flyers around the school proclaiming the word of God, and there has been more prayer in this school in the last five days than there have been in many years. 
Students are turning to Christ, looking for answers and yearning for some of the joy that Violet shared. That final act of young Violet's life was just the beginning of the work that those in her youth group would continue on. Since the accident, many people have come to Christ and known him as their personal Savior. As a result of Violet's life, one of her friends asked Pastor Chip if, he could have a, if she could have a case to distribute at the school. Through a relationship with a church, a Gideon was able to share, share about the life book. And through that message, a youth minister was able to order life books. And through that life book distribution, a young girl was able to influence her peers and teenagers around the school. And the word of God has been spread. And it continues to be because of your giving. Because of you. You know, Jesus gave his life. For us. He came and left heaven. And if we believe what we say believe, we believe inside these walls, there's no amount of money or no amount of time or no amount of anything we can give that would pay him back for what he did for us. You know, if we believe that this life is temporary, just like the Bible says, you know, it's just a flash, just like grass. It's just burnt in a vapor. It's just a mist. It's gone. No matter how long you live. I've read testimonies of many people around the world giving their life to Christ after reading a Gideon Bible. From soldiers who said they had one in their breast pocket and it stopped a bullet, saved their life, and then that same book transformed their life. Like I shared earlier, there have been great people like Ravi Zachariah and others around the world who have given their life. But what if because of the dollar you gave today, the next Ravi Zechariah or Billy Graham gets to know Christ and becomes a Christian because of what you gave. We have a memorial Bible plan. There are many opportunities for you to give. You can give a card. If someone passes away, instead of giving a, a, a flower arrangement or something like that, you can spend 30 or 40 or $50 and stick it in a card and send it to the Gideons and 10 or 15 or 20 or ever how many you sponsor, Bibles will be placed in hotels and motels around the world given to villagers in, in countries where missionaries go. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to give. The life book is a great example. But we, we are able to, just like uh, you know, uh, other ministries you hear, we're, we're able to transmit through, by the Internet on the Gideon website some of these same testimonies and lives being changed because of the Gideon ministry. Our statistics show that one quarter, just one quarter of every traveler that goes in a hotel room will read one of these Bibles and be exposed to the Word of God. So $100 will buy 20 of these. They're about $5 a piece. That one Bible could reach 2,300 people over the life of its seven years in a hotel room. And you calculate that real quick. I did it here, so I got it for you. $100 could buy 20 Bibles. 20 Bibles could reach 2,300 people each in its lifetime. So that's for $100, you could reach 46,000 people with the Word of God. You can't, you can't spend your life on the corner in Butler and reach 46,000 people. You can't even see 46,000 people if you spent your life on the corner. Not in Butler. Not in Butler. Our equipment. You know, we live in the greatest country in the world. 
We're more affluent than our economy is more affluent than, than, than any other country on a bad day. And the lowest 10%, the poorest 10 people, the 10% of the people in this community, in this country, are still richer than 90% of the world. As men and women of God, you know, I feel it is our responsibility, and I'm preaching to me too. I feel it is our responsibility to make sure that every man, woman, and child in this world that wants a copy of God's Word will have an opportunity to get one. For what we spend on a soft drink, a dollar and 35 cents, really, you can't get one hardly for that. A dollar and 35 cents, what a New Testament cost us. And that's to get to the. You know, I've read, I've read stories in our, in our Gideon Quarterly letter that we've got hundreds of thousands of these printed up and in a sea land van in crates and, 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 and ready to ship overseas. But we don't have the funds to ship them. We've got the Bibles, got them printed, but we don't have the funds to ship them. So no matter how much our income, there's always more need, I'm sure. But there's three ways you can, you can give. You can pray for the Gideon ministry. Like he said earlier, don't just pray for them today. When you put it on your list and go home and you pray for the Gideon ministry. Choctaw County Camp, the average age is probably 70. Now, I'm 50, so I bring that down a little bit, but the average age is 70 probably in our Choctaw County Camp. Got, I'm 53. Joe Littlepage is, 50, is 63, and it goes up from there, other than me and Joe Littlepage. And one of our godly men that's always been in the Gideon. He's the reason I joined the Gideon. Brother Levi Griffith is not able to speak anymore. And he was one of our primary speakers. We need men to stand up and become Gideons. Be begin to, to join us in prayer meeting. Every Saturday morning we come to Gilbert Town and Butler and sit down and, and seven to nine of us pray for our pastors. Pray for a lot of the things that are mentioned on your church prayer list. Like I said earlier, Gideons give 43% of all our international funds that are collected. But $100 could buy 20 of these hotel Bibles and you could affect the life of 46,000 people. What if we did like the widow that gave her last two mites? Jesus, Jesus said she has given more than all. Not because she gave so much, just because she gave all she had. Have you given your life to Jesus today? That's primarily what he wants. It won't matter if you give all that you've got if you don't have a relationship with him. That's the first thing we've got to get right. Like the song said earlier, it's that relationship. If you don't know him as personal savior today, statistically, you know, all of us won't be here the rest of the year. And it doesn't, it's not a, it, that death is not a respecter of age. It can be 12 or 29 or, or 79. So if you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, it won't matter what you give. You've got to get that right first. Let us pray. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. We pray that you would forgive us where we failed you and help us to glorify you in everything that we do. Not just in our life inside these walls, Lord, but when we leave this place, let us live as Christians so that we're not setting a bad example in the world, Lord, that, that we're not leading people astray, but we're leading them to you. Forgive us where we failed you again, Lord, and pray that you'd be glorified in this moment. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.